Welcome friends. On this podcast, we talk about a lot of things, mostly prayer, but also spiritual warfare, parenting adult kids, and what it's like to be a church lady in an increasingly post-Christian world. This is the place where I share interviews with people whose lives have greatly influenced mine. In fact, this summer, I'm talking with friends who've been to unimaginable places and found that just like the psalmist David said, God is there. In Psalm 139, if I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. My friends, these are kindred spirits in the faith. They're women who have lived enough life to proclaim with me, God's got this, no matter what this is. I'm Leanne McCoy, and this is my podcast. I'm very excited today to introduce you to a friend from years ago, Rhonda Kemp. Do you remember the O.J. Simpson car chase and trial? Well, I remember watching it unfold with Rhonda on the television in her living room. In the neighborhood, it was the one big new neighborhood that was being built in our community where we declared that neighborhood itself was going to be our summer outreach project. It was Cameron Farms. (laughs) We have church members today that live in Cameron Farms and um, many, many hundreds of other neighborhoods in our community since then. But I was with Rhonda back then in that O.J. Simpson trial date because she was watching my infant and my toddler as I taught swim lessons for free in the neighborhood pool. That's what we did in the day to grow a church and those were great times. Anyway, I say all of that to say that Rhonda and I go way back. When we were friends, her daughter Lacey was a bubbly fifth grader who lit up a room when, when we entered into it. She was one of my favorite people because my babies adored her. Lacey grew up to be a beautiful woman, unfortunately with an addiction to opioids. Tragically, Lacey overdosed at 30 years old, leaving her mother heartbroken. Rhonda's life calling literally bloomed out of her darkest valley. She's going to share her story with us and and she's gonna say a whole lot of remarkable things. But the one thing that I want you to walk away with is this. When you face your worst nightmare and hear God say, be in agreement with me, Do what Rhonda did and stay in agreement with God. Please excuse the moments when my internet decided to be unstable. I listened to the podcast and decided to run with it anyway because the conversation is so real and so rich. I didn't want you to miss it. Rhonda will challenge you to trust God no matter what it is, no matter when. Hello, my praying people. I'm so excited. Um, In fact, this summer, I'm really going to have a good time introducing you to some of my friends. And um, these are people that they're not famous authors, even though they are an author. This one is an author. And they're not, um, you know, people like great big social media influencers. 
these are women that are just like you and me that are walking in the trenches of life. And um, I've had the privilege of my path intersecting with their paths and they are dear to me. And last week you got to hear from my friend, Tammy Murphy, as she and I just sat and chatted about um, being parents of adults and that kind of thing. But then this week, you're going to have the privilege of meeting a friend that um, it almost makes me want to cry to think about how long we've been friends, Rhonda. But I've got Rhonda Camp with us today, and we're so glad to have you. Rhonda, thank you so much for being willing to be on the, being on the podcast today. Um, but Rhonda and I go way back. In fact, Rhonda, I think I was about 30 years old or 31 or two when you and I met and um, she and her family were a part of our church. And of course, uh, those who listen to us longer know Tom and me, you know, we've been in the same church since the days the dinosaurs roamed the earth, just about, <laughs> which was uh, many, many years ago. And um, and it's one of the neatest things about staying in the same place through the years is uh being able to trace different people that have come in and out of our lives. And so Rhonda now lives in uh, Derby, Kansas, which is a little bit south, she said, of Wichita and way far away. And Rhonda, you've lived a long ways away for a long time. How long have y'all been? In? I, well, I've been married to Tom for 20 years. I moved here uh, 22 years ago to okay. Kansas. Okay. So Rhonda's been, and you're from Kansas, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Rhonda married a, a childhood sweetheart. Is that right? Was Tom? Were Tom well, and you childhood? We met when I was nineteen, okay. and Lacey's dad is actually one of his good friends. I met him through Lacey's dad, so we were friends okay. from him and knew each other, and were you know close as friends yeah. in a friendship. And then uh, dated for just a short time, about a year and a half, and then I moved away. So we reconnected yeah. forty. <laughs> that I didn't see him and then uh, we just picked up right where we left off and I had to leave Tennessee so yeah that's the only downside is I love Tennessee so I try to come back as much as I can yes and I love that you do that because we've been able to reconnect through your visits back to Tennessee and um, Rhonda's the mother of Three, Lacey, who we're going to talk about um, as a part of this podcast today, who um, unfortunately and tragically died at 30 years old, which was nine years ago. Rhonda and I were just saying, I felt like it was just yesterday, but she was a precious, um, when, when we were in our lives, our paths connecting, I think she was about fifth, sixth grade, maybe seventh grade, right around young teenage, I mean, like preteen, maybe. Yeah, she was in Girl Scouts and Sherry Knight. <laughs> Sherry Knight she invited mm -hmm. us to your church and uh, okay you and Tom's church was the first church I'd been in since youth group wow so because of Sherry Knight and Lacey and Kristen's friendship in Girl Scouts we were blessed to come to your church and uh, wow she would have been it was in 93 I think when we yeah. came yeah so long time ago Blake was just three years old <laughs> I remember, and he was adorable, and our, my children were a little bit younger than yours. I was having them at about this time, and so it was fun, yeah, getting together with y'all, because you had Lacey old enough to really entertain my little bitties, and that was a lot of fun. <laughs> love children, too. You always love children, yeah. And then you've got two sons, and then she and Tom together have, um, he's got three daughters, and y'all together have six grandchildren. So life is rich, 
And um, you and I both were talking, life is rich and we are old. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's, yeah, I don't feel old. So I, yeah. I feel really good. And that's a big statement after losing a, a child. I feel, right. I feel good. So God that is, is a good statement. And God is good. And that's what we're going to talk about. Rhonda's going to share with us. She has written a really neat book for any person who's um, primarily, I think your book is for those who've lost a child, but it could be any loss, right? It really is for any loss. Um, it's just reminiscing about the person you love. And um, after Lacey was gone and I had to accept I wouldn't see her again, I just wanted to talk to her. You know, it was just yeah. that. There were things I didn't get to say. And you always think you have forever with a child. And I just started writing down things I wanted to talk to her about and, and remembering things we did and things that were funny. And uh, I was afraid, you know, my memory's terrible. So <sighs> the huge fear that I would forget things about her. Mm. Luckily, God's been good to just give me so many more memories and clarity about who she was. And I have a lot of of recall because of just being in constant prayer you know when you're mm -hmm. you're in that kind of pain from losing someone so close you just have to be in constant prayer and um but the book came from that it was just and i have had people in hospice use the book also so when your loved one's dying you know there's been people that shared with their parent just memories they've had together and and make mm -hmm. it more of a a journal of keepsake memories. So yeah. it can be for anyone that's grieving. And I love that. And it's such a, um, such a great thing. Of course, I, I love to keep journals anyway, but to be able to process your, your grief, it's a way to let that which is on the inside come out and be a little more concrete and, um, and be able to maybe even say some of the things you wish you could have said or, you know, and, and, and as grief, and we'll talk about this more, I know, but it's not a, it's not a one and done thing. You don't ever go through the process and be done with grief. I think as long as you're living, you're always going to miss that person who's dear to you. They continue to stay in your heart and your mind. And um, anyway, but her book is called Remarkable You, Revisiting Love, Regrets, and Celebrations. And she calls it an interactive grief journal. And um, Rhonda, where can people get this book? We've got a few places locally in Wichita, but it's on Amazon. Okay, that's perfect. Amazon, you can get them. And I'll put a link to your book in our show notes so that it'll be right here with the podcast as well. So um, anyway, that's all an introduction. Uh, Rhonda, talk to us about um, kind of tell us the story. Maybe tell us about Tell us our story of what we're focusing on right now. And then we'll talk about some of the other things. So just tell us about what has happened. Well, um, as far as Lacey's addiction, she was introduced to opioids uh, when she was 17. She had two knee operations and mm. we didn't know about opioids back then. I think it was 99, maybe uh, 98, 99. And she used them the wrong way immediately. She was immediately wanting more and not because of getting high so much as people metabolize drugs differently. And she liked the of having four every two hours instead of two every four hours. So yeah. she went right through the prescription quicker than she should and uh, got a second prescription. And um, 
And then when that was done, it was done, you know, that there were no red flags, but going back in my mind now, you know, you, you visit every part of your life, you know, questioning what happened and why it happened. And uh, she was a great kid, great, had wonderful friends and fun and, you know, happy. And she was a, a handful, I, I will admit, you know, when she was old, she knew what she wanted and you didn't want to argue too much about it. <laughs> But she was a great kid and she didn't party per se or use drugs. But after I moved to Kansas, she was 18. She stayed behind for a year. Uh, couldn't leave her boyfriend. You know how that can get be at that age. And her boyfriend was a year younger and was going to graduate right. in a year. They both joined us in Kansas uh, when she was 19. And I mm -hmm. think she used some marijuana at that time. Um, still not really partying, but moved here she met a lot of people that use drugs and she used them to party and uh, didn't like to drink and kind of got away from her Christian friends because she wasn't in Tennessee anymore so yeah. that that uh, really was the change I think and around 24 she had her first overdose she was working in a in a restaurant and completely fell to the floor and she was taking handfuls of pills and wow. I didn't realize it but she was and pills were her choice of drug and her boyfriend at that time was uh, someone that could get a lot of pills his uh, cousin got hundreds of opioids through the VA so mm -hmm. it was readily available so that first overdose was a big warning but still I came from a family of alcoholics mm -hmm. so um I was used to uh that type of life because I grew up in it and I just thought she would outgrow it you know I just thought yeah. she's going through a stage you know she needs a new boyfriend she needs to get in church and mm -hmm. I had all the answers for what I could see because we only know mm -hmm. what we you know, and uh, right. needed, she needed a lot of help. And opioids are one of the toughest things to get away from. They are actually in the family of heroin. Mm. And all, I learned all of this after her death. So yeah. I had to help her. And I think that's the hardest thing as a parent, because you're supposed to help your kids. Yeah. And I, I look back now and I had opportunities to, and that overdose while she's in the emergency room, I had a beautiful uh, emergency room doctor that was an addict and recovery and mm -hmm. she ate heroin and had a child mm -hmm. and doctor and she said she needs yeah. to go to so uh -huh. we were going to Colorado to ski and I thought well she can't miss our Colorado trip because she had you know it was just you're just so naive when you're not mm -hmm. aware she is it is a monster and it's a disease and so yeah. Now that I know what I know, I want to make sure that person that was me has that phone number to call because it when someone's ready to go to rehab and you know you can get them there, you have to do it then because you may not get right. another chance. But to, yeah. to not take time, she, um, she did get sober a year before she died. She always tried to do everything on her own because, you know, mm -hmm. we're tough and she wanted to be tough and get, mm -hmm. she wanted, she could do it. And, uh, she went to counseling and got it, you know, some good counseling, never, never entered into a rehab facility, but she just knuckled down and quit using. And I think little by little, the crowd she was in, she just tried a little bit at a time and 
in three months she was using again. So she never really got to that year of sobriety that she needed. And she, her body was breaking down. You know, when you use opioids, your kidneys, and she used a lot of them. She was, uh, I don't know how she lived as long as she did, really, because she wouldn't just take a little. She always took so much and her kidneys were failing her. So wow. she, had, she had kidney stones the last year and a half and she'd go in the emergency room. And the day before she died, her and I were in the emergency room together and we just had that time together and I wasn't with her all the time I talked to her all the time she had her own apartment and we talked daily and but she wouldn't come around me because she thought I'd be disappointed if I saw her the way she and I did you know peek in on her and um but that day before she died we were in the hospital emergency room all day together and she held my hand and she kept reaching out to me and she was just like a little girl again you know so So loving and um mm. so she had Dilaudid all day and um Percocets to go home with and I tried mm. to keep Percocets from her but she wouldn't have it and mm. a boring, a friend came over and I don't know what all she took but she had tried Clonopin the week before she died to sleep and Clonopin is a sleeping aid it's it's a different kind of drug than an opioid but mm. you keep them together and I learned this until later, but a doctor had given her 30 clonopins. So I believe the clonopin with the Percocet that night is what killed her. And um, wow. I goodbye to her around six o'clock and um, she reached out and she kissed me on the cheek. That was my last um, moment wow. with her. She never, yeah. you know, it was, if you've been around an addict, they become zombies. They mm. They don't have their personality. They don't have the feel good drugs or chemicals in their brain, you know, they uh-huh. don't, uh, their serotonin and the things that make us smile. They're just, they're truly walking zombies. And when she reached out and kissed me on the cheek, I was just, that was just a blessing. And, uh, yeah. and then uh, the next morning I was trying to reach her cause she wouldn't answer her phone. And the friend that had stayed over on the couch woke up and um, found her on the floor and she had already passed away. Wow. Wow. You know, just a nightmare. And I went to uh, immediately where her apartment was and they wouldn't let me inside. So um, Mm. I outside and um, that's when I heard God telling me, be in agreement with me. He kept saying, be in agreement with me. And I had Mm. never, I'd never had a vocal message from God. You know, I've, God's shown up for me a lot in my life, but that was, um, it was like he was just standing there with me and it was so comforting. And I've held on to that every second for nine years because wow. it, it has it has shown me that he is doing what he needs to do for us. And it's he's in charge, you know. And yeah. I've always wanted to be in charge. <laughs> it just, yeah. It doesn't work. <laughs> and uh, I finally trust him. You know, I, I can say I trust him a hundred percent and it took a lot for me to get that but um that is the blessing of the pain is you I had to just crawl up in his lap and stay there because it's so it's so hard to get through and now involved in helping parents that are in that fresh few years and the first three years it's four year I mean you just you think it's gonna get better and it doesn't it just doesn't Mm -hmm. 
and mm -hmm. it takes a long time to just feel like you can breathe and accept the acceptance is the very last part of it but mm. I, I could I don't want to rattle on but there's a lot mm -hmm. um there's a lot to it and I've learned about addiction I've learned uh it is a disease and I've I have a lot of information for people if they have someone they're struggling with uh, we we look down on people that use drugs and, and I'm, I'm guilty, you know, that they're weak, they're, they're not motivated, they're lazy, they don't have a good work ethic. I mean, we just, we throw all these labels on people that use drugs, but mm -hmm. they're just like us. They just yeah. have, they just have a different brain and yeah. it's say um, disease that they struggle with and will always struggle with but mm -hmm. what that drug does to them when they take it is an entirely different uh experience than if you and I took the same drug right and we have to treat it like that because they are they're victims of a disease and it, and if our children had diabetes or heart disease we would mm -hmm. go to the earth to find help for them right and but instead, you know, I was judgy and I was preachy and I was, you know, you've yeah. got to get together and, yeah. you know, always so accomplished and so smart and, uh -huh. and so motivated. I just couldn't imagine a drug taking that away from her, but it did. Yeah. Well, and what was also hard, Rhonda, one, thank you for sharing uh, all of that. I mean, I know it's hard every time you revisit it. And I just love that, that you followed, goodness, that the Lord, I love that statement, be in agreement with me that was the lord inviting you in to walk with you through that and he's still with you through it and out of that has come this ministry that you're passionate about of being able to minister to other parents when they lose their children especially to um addiction but what i was going to say that i think is hard as a parent is you were she was fine when she was really under your authority this all happened once she became an adult and so you were parenting an adult she's also your oldest child so it's not like you had figured out how to parent adults ahead of this <laughs> you know and none of us ever know what we're doing as a parent because we're doing it for the first time and it's really it's a it's a one and done thing you know it's kind of a bummer unless you have two sets of kids i guess then you can can learn and, and do it different. So I think that that's a whole element of frustration that you had to somehow or probably work through is that you didn't have so much control, you know, um, because she was her own. I mean, she was a very independent person anyway. I even knew that when she was a, a young child, you know, but in a, in a good way. And so I just, and I also know as a parent of adults that that's a whole different, that's a whole different ball game, isn't it? It is. It is. And yeah. we want control. You know, we just want yeah. that. We want that say so over their lives and uh, letting go of them. You know, I've done I've been able to do better with Blake and Brandon because mm -hmm. my time is with them is so precious since I've lost Lacey. I don't take any of it for granted, not once. Mm -hmm. And every time we're together, I make sure it's the best time I can have with them. And mm -hmm. that's that is the blessing is you learn that you don't have any control. And, yeah. you know, I've been in church and I've heard all the scriptures, but it has to become real to you, you know, yeah. being in a place of trust fully to, to over, just hand over your life to God is for me, it took a lot. I was the very person and, um, you know, God just doesn't give up on you.
No, ever. So let's talk about that a little bit about your faith journey. So tell us about that, because I, it sounds like obviously Lacey's death was a real um, moment in that journey. It sounds like where God did some amazing things. But tell us a little bit about the ups and downs of kind of your whole faith journey and how it's how it was before this time and then how it's been since this time. Well, when I was five, you know, I, I saw a Bible and we, our house burned down completely. And there was, I remember walking through the black walls and the phone melted and, uh, I wasn't in a Christian home. So we, for some reason we had a Bible on a, on a dresser and I saw that Bible was untouched. There was no black on it. Everything in the house was black soot. And it was, if you house that burned, it's, there's nothing that doesn't get affected. This Bible was a hundred percent intact, not even brown or black in any. Oh, wow. That, that right there, that was enough for me. I believed in God from that, from that day. And uh, then I didn't go to church. Well, I was in church. Uh, my uncle was a Baptist preacher in Wichita and I was saved in his church at 11 and uh, still didn't attend church, but I was saved. And, um, that was the beginning of, of my faith. Um, as a teenager, we moved back to Wichita. My mom left my dad and I became a part of a youth group that was incredible. So I had 15 to 18, uh, through those teenage years, I had really amazing, uh, Christian fellowship and learning. And, you know, I felt like I was called to be a a missionary at that time. Yeah. Again, I just have my own strong will and my boyfriend <laughs> and, and you know in a in an alcoholic home you don't have that close tie to your father so my boyfriend was my life and so yeah. you know started that routine and I see it now and Lacey kind of did the same thing when you don't mm-hmm. have a father daughter relationship you just you need that male companionship so mm-hmm. um I left the church at 18 my my uh my uncle left the church and he stopped being the pastor mm. and moved to Tulsa. And again, at 20, not living for the Lord, you know, living with a man, Lacey's father. Uh, I, I experienced a rape and there was mm. a serial that had raped, I think, 27 women in my little uh, apartment complex. Oh and my we gosh just moved there and no phone, no connection. And I was with my stepson that was five. So again, I hadn't lived for the Lord, but he showed up and his presence was there through that experience. And I just remember feeling like I -hmm. went through it, but I didn't really go through it. You know, I don't know if you've Mm -hmm. ever a really bad, scary position like that. I didn't know if I was going to live or die, but I knew I was safe and I knew God had me and I could feel his arms around me through the entire thing. So it's never affected me like it has a lot of women that's got that have gone through that. So there Mm -hmm. again, showed up for me. And yeah, um, but I didn't enter back into a church situation until I was 33 when I walked in and uh, met you and Tom. That's amazing. Your face, and I, I'm not saying this because I'm on your podcast, but <laughs> I go to your face as my real life Christian friend. You know, I have a lot of good Christian friends, but you always yeah. had that in your face. And mm. I I wanted that. And and you've always just been so a bright light for, for, a, 
for me, an example of what Christ is a person. And I think we need to have that when we're, we're walking in a, a, a sinful life, you need to see that in a person. And yeah. I think we miss that so much as Christians. We're not showing that light like we need to. And yeah. uh, you've always had that beaming joy about you. And people crave that, mm -hmm. want yeah. that. They don't yeah. want to reach at them and say, well, you've got to go to church three times a week. And if you're not here, you know, and I'm yeah. not putting church people, but you need mm -hmm. to have that love in your heart for people. And you always, and you, you and Tom always showed me that. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, when I went through what I did in your church, you were like, I'll meet you in the parking lot and we can, <laughs> we can have our own Bible study. And, you know, you yeah. just, they were incredible <laughs> to me. Through, through. But to get past that, that was my church experience again and um, had marital problems and Satan moved right into my life again. Yeah. Um, quit going to church and I was a single mom for a couple of years and had to buckle down and work two jobs. And Lacey mm. was the little mom at that time and she yeah. took care of these and she was just so, so faithful to me as a young girl to uh, be my partner, you know. Yeah. And, single moms out there will get it. You're doing everything. And, uh, but you miss a lot, you know, you miss those important steps, um, that your kids need you there for. So, so I left the church, um, when I left you and Tom and mm -hmm. didn't really, didn't really get back in. I just worked and, uh, mm -hmm. raised the kids the best I could and tried to be a Christian mom, but, Blake and Brandon didn't get a lot of what they needed at that time. Lacey stayed in church because of her friends. She always was mm -hmm. in church. And, um, but my faith journey is I'm stubborn. <laughs> I, I knew God was there, but I always thought I was doing good. You know, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty confident in myself and uh -huh. that, that can be a detriment because you, you get pretty arrogant with your accomplishments. And I worked mm -hmm. on music. I was a personal trainer. Um, I just was go, 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 you know, let Rhonda have the show and she will fix everything. Cause I was yeah. a fixer growing up yeah. in the home. I was the fixer. So um, just went full bore into the world of, of me. And uh, I've learned that I cannot take one step without God. I just can't. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I, a public speaker I'm not somebody that's comfortable in a arena of any type a high school gymnasium speaking in front of kids I mean I would never do that on my own but yeah. God has just kind of escorted me into this place mm -hmm. and I always say it's about him and he gets me there and he tells me what to say and it's working out pretty well when I when I do that so, and that took losing Lacey unfortunately wow. yeah 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 but it but um, she's always there. You know, I begged God to show me where she was. And I knew she was in heaven, but I wanted to see her. You know, I, it was like yeah. taking God by the shoulders. You've got yeah. to show where she is. Yeah. I need yeah. to know she's safe. I need to know she's happy. And I was sitting outside uh, a few days after her funeral. And there was this, I was on the phone and there was this cloud above me beautiful clear blue sky nothing was it this one little cloud showed up and this rainbow was over the cloud oh it i love it up, and i heard her say mom i'm good i'm oh. good yeah and that was my confirmation that i had asked. <laughs> that's and great I, 
Yeah. Continued to have dreams. I had three or four dreams where she had come back from heaven and the one she had had a facial in heaven. And I was like, that is so lacy, you know, because she was an esthetician. She gave facials to people. Yeah. I and love it. so God confirmed to me every time I begged and and just screamed out, I need to see this. Mm-hmm. I need to have this. And yeah. he would give it to me. So um I can't I can't deny who he is in any any capacity no matter what happens you know um he always is there and but i i got into the ministry part of it uh about four years ago i went to a parents helping parents meeting and i'm not a joiner i didn't want to go to classes i didn't want to become a grief you know one of those ladies in a circle that was crying i just it it wasn't you know, still arrogant, you know, like, uh-huh. got my yeah. stuff, you know, so I um, went to this meeting for a friend, and I met this lady named Chris Dara, her and her husband were there because they had lost their daughter Lexi at 21, just uh, not even a year, a year and a half before I met her, and uh-huh. she, she was a walking, sad mom, and uh, we sat together, and I had I had accomplished more on the grief journey than she had. So she was just drawn to me and she came and got in my car afterwards. And she said, I I just need to talk to you. And I told her, you're going to be okay. You know, you don't think you're going to make it. You're going to die in this process, but you're going to make it. And she talked and, you know, after she left, like 30 minutes later, this complete stranger, I thought that's the first time I felt like this was a good, I got to help her a little bit. And yeah. felt really good that I could just share my story. And she was relieved. She said, I, I just haven't been able to talk to anybody mm. about. This. So it was it was the beginning of God showing me that there is something in this that can be good. And Lacey, wow. wanted people. she wanted she always said, Mom, if I ever get past this addiction, I'm going to help other addicts. So. Wow. I want to do it for her, you know, yeah, um, it makes her life more. Uh, important in a way that that her story can be used and um, so Chris and I became close friends and she had introduced she introduced me to (laughs) Hope is Alive Ministries and Hope is Alive uh, started about 12 years ago in providing sober living homes for addicts Uh Uh and it's it's like a 15 to 18 month program and they live in a nice home beautiful uh, furnishings it's not like a clinical rehab Mm -hmm. it's very homey and there's uh, lots of support compassion Uh, they do 18 different things as far as you know they do AA the 12 Mm -hmm. step that it's all faith-based so they have Mm -hmm. to in uh, bible study it's you don't have Mm -hmm. to be to enter hope is alive ministries but you will be introduced to it. And uh, it's about 80% uh, successful if you follow the whole program. Uh She introduced me to- amazing. Did you say 80%? Wow. It's the most um, remarkable, life-changing experience an addict can have. And we have have two in Wichita. Um, They're in Oklahoma, Texas, Colorado, North Carolina, Kansas, uh, Nebraska, I believe. Um, gosh, Colorado. There, there's 
quite, they're building, you know, it's a growing ministry, mm -hmm. but it works. Mm -hmm. And I would have given yeah. any at Lacey in that. And uh, wow. so I, that ministry and they have finding hope, which is for the families because the families mm -hmm. are part of the addiction too. You know, they're, yeah, they, they don't know what they're doing and how to help. So finding hope is reaching out to the parents and the loved ones that have an addict that's actively using. And so I, I help now with that ministry and lead a group in Derby. And uh, okay. we, uh, we do Zoom calls, so you don't have to be in person. And uh -huh. uh, then after meeting Chris, Chris and I um, and a few other people, moms, developed uh, Hope After Loss. And Hope After Loss is for people like me that have lost someone to addiction. It's just for yeah. addiction loss. So uh, I help yeah. to do, we do retreats every year and we do in-person meetings and Zoom calls. So it's just uh, a, a ministry that's so needed. It's I meet people all the time that they don't know what to do. You know, they. Yeah. And it's hard to talk about. People don't talk about addiction. You know, I'm sure there's people in your church that have addicts in their family. Right. They don't, it's very. No, you don't talk because we do judge, you know, and we don't we don't mean to, but we do. I mean, I've I've, I've learned that in my own life with the things that I've gone through because of decisions of the people that I love that I don't have any control over, but it's almost like you don't want to talk about it because you don't want people to think you're that, oh, you're that person. Because I remember how I used to be. I used to think, oh, well, goodness, what probably went on with in their home. But now I am that person. I am. And, you know, you know, nothing, nothing did go. I mean, you just, and maybe it did or maybe it didn't. Like we can't be perfect, but yeah, I totally get it. And that's why it's so great that people like you are willing to talk about it and it and it needs let it be the open table because we we don't um we don't trust our own closest friends with it and it and right. it's terrible and yeah. you're not that glad that you've gone through what you've gone through but someone that came from the home like you and tom provided you didn't you didn't make them an addict yeah. But me, right. I'm from a very shady home, you know, home life. And I, mm -hmm. I've sinned in a whole different capacity than a lot mm -hmm. of people have. So you blame yourself. Anything yeah. wrong, you know, you immediately say, well, if I wouldn't have got that divorce or if I wouldn't have moved away yeah. from my friends or if I would, you're, and that was my biggest hurdle is the, the guilt yeah. and I had to turn that over to God and, and know mm -hmm. that. I did make a lot of mistakes, but at the end of the day, I would have cut off both my arms and legs to get her sober, you know? Right. So the love was there. It's just, you've got to have the tools and um, yeah. mm -hmm. don't learn about that as we share and get vulnerable and being vulnerable is not that bad. <laughs> it's, it's not what we want, but um, yeah. I'm in, look, we shared Lacey's addiction journey at her funeral and mm -hmm. and we did that because her friends were addicts yeah um, one of them came to the funeral high in the middle mm -hmm. of the afternoon and probably several mm -hmm. others but I had mm -hmm. her counselor talk about addiction and what it was and you know everybody needs to share it and mm -hmm. there are resources so we just have to provide them and mm -hmm. I think my biggest mission. That's why I get up and do what I do. One of the moms says, you just have to get up, dress up and show up. 
That's good. <laughs> Sounds so easy, but when you're grieving, you don't want to walk out the door. You don't want to face people in the grocery store. You don't, mm. you just want to hide. And Satan would mm. love to keep me in that bed, crying my eyes out. And, mm-hmm. and it, I was there for a long time. And I still meet parents 10 years in the grief journey that aren't doing well. And they're not, yeah. they're not uh, thriving, you know, but the God of the created the universe told me to be in agreement with him so I'm like you know I I have something special with that I have yeah I think he gave that to me for just no reason and uh, and many other things that's just one thing but we call them God winks there's so many times God intersects with us throughout every single day and Mm -hmm. if you're if you're looking for it and aware of it and you need it you know, I needed it to survive. I didn't think I was going to survive. Wow. And, and uh, people that lose their children, it's, I don't think there's anything worse. No, I don't either. I hate to say losing a husband isn't, it, it's tragic to lose a husband, but the connection you have mm-hmm. with a child is, I mean, you mm-hmm. actually change your cells when you're carrying that child. They right. literally are a part of you. Their cells are yeah. in your body. Yeah. Uh, it's like losing part of yourself. And yeah, what I've tried to do uh, is just keep the heartbreak because you're going to keep the heartache. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. go away. Um, right. You just have to build around it and try mm-hmm. to make, try to bring in beautiful things around it. Cause if you wow. wait till on and all the pain is gone, you're never going to get past it. And um, it's mm-hmm. hard to, learn to pick that up and carry it along with you but you do you learn to do it and wow. and it's okay it's and you you understand what people go through you know if you've never had heartbreak and and real tragedy and and brokenness like that how do you relate to someone that is sitting on the side of the street that has yeah. you know, shopping bag for that I really see that in a totally different light now right right Was there ever a time, Rhonda, when um, during the dark part of your grief journey, when you just got angry with God or or did you just not go there? I think I turned it to myself. I really had a a real long period of just hating myself. Mm. Um, I think I needed to all of my my wrongdoings were lined up staring at me all the time because I see them and. My arrogance was there and my pride and my, my foolishness was there. And yeah. I just got angry at myself and yeah. uh, I, I just really punished myself and mm-hmm. I, I never really got angry at God because I think mm-hmm. because of that be in agreement with me, you don't know how much mm-hmm. that changed my feeling towards him because mm-hmm. And there he was, you know, like he doesn't have better things to do. He's, he's in this yard with me saying, I got this. She's with me. Yeah. You're, you're going to be fine. Wow. Wow. And, wow. You know, now I beg him not to take my other kids. So we do talk about right. that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, yeah, he has just um, made my life more beautiful in a way, but um, I don't want any parent to ever go through it it's no. it's not you want to ever experience 
but I never really got angry at God. And I know I talk to parents a lot that are angry at God and they can't go to church and they can't open the Bible and they can't. Um, so, you know, everybody experienced things different and every grief is different for everybody, right. but we do hear the right. same, but go to these retreats. We had 22 people, men and women come to our first hope after loss retreat Two. this will be our third one this year. Um, we heard the same kind of story throughout the, the grief and the, and the kind of kids we had, a lot of our kids were the same kind of kids. It was really amazing to see this is a high achieving kid in high school and this one you know got straight A's and this one was so good to people and would give a shirt off his back and we kind of all were describing the same kid and they were all addicts wow. so you know it's kind of like yeah. the best I just sometimes get get into mm. the addiction cycle and um yeah. about and of it is just DNA and yeah, uh, yeah. and that be scary if you have addicts in your family from past you know but right. no I didn't I didn't have to go through the anger with God I just was always in his lap begging him to to help me out and to I wanted yeah. to wanted to be whole again and and mostly for my mm -hmm. kids now I have two other boys two other kids mm -hmm. and my husband I just I didn't think my husband deserved to come home to a blank uh, sad mm -hmm. pitiful person and mm -hmm. that kind of too because he's so happy and upbeat you know he's one of these mm -hmm. always happy yeah. so <laughs> yeah that would mad. that would make me that mad. would make you mad yeah <laughs> just happy and singing I was like that's not really good I don't need right. to see Why are oh, you so good and he adored like and he he even yeah. adopted he has a 19 year old oh, okay. yeah um, not the same you know you you right. love you love your stepkids and as adult children, but no, it's when you lose a child, that's one you've carried and raised. It's, right. You know what it would be like. So, yeah. Well, this mother heart is such a strong, powerful thing anyway. I mean, I've, I think that um, all of our listeners that are mothers are probably many of them at our stages of life. And we know um, like you're, you're consistently surprised. I remember being so surprised when they put that baby in my arms and, just that, that immediate it felt like my heart just grew 10 times bigger in that one second when you look in their face and then how you have another one and you think there's no more left because it's all consumed in that one but it's the, the same exact just bigger and I remember thinking that has to be what it's like for God that he loves every single one like this and then I've had enough heartache with children that I've recognized how um, intricately connected I am to them and that, that our hearts, like, you know, it just, and you can't unconnect yourself. In fact, the whole letting go, talk about that just one little second. Like how, how would you define what that letting go is? Cause a lot of times when I'm really desperate about something, it's like, well, you got to let that go. You got to let that go. And I'm like, I don't, I don't even know how, like, how can I even do that? I think the only possible way is to step way back and look at the entire lifespan of this child you know, because we want them to experience all the great things at 30 and the children and with yeah. the family and, yeah. you know, what God has for them. Maybe they're going to be 50. Maybe they have to go yeah. through like I, I've had to go through a long journey to get to yeah. a peace place. And um, mm -hmm. we just want it the way we want it and the way, right. you know, 
I saw Lacey get married to a handsome man with a great career and she would be such a good mom and she's going to have two or three kids. And my plan for her was not God's plan or not that he wanted her to die and, and be an addict. Right. I still have questions about that, that I'm going to ask when I get there, but um, right. they're not God's plans. And uh, yeah, we've done all we can do. You know, when you're, right. when you're, I want young moms to know this is your time. You know, when you have these little children, get down on your knees with them and, and deal with them one-on-one -on -one, because that's your, you are the king of the world at that time. They will listen, right. they, will absorb, they will, they will become the people they need to become during that stage. Don't wait till they're 19 yeah. and try to right. take it as your work is done, really. Yeah, and, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. so yeah that's good and a lot of it is giving up our own power because we're not that powerful mm, and that's good you think you're so powerful because you do get to raise them and you do get to tell them what to do and you do get to mold them and and tell them what they're going to wear and what schools they're going to go to but in in the big picture God's in charge and I think he has a special plan for those people every one of us yeah and right and if miss that plan who's to say it's not gonna change and, and come around full circle later you know we just don't right. know we just don't right know. right and, and there's great comfort i hear it coming through your faith coming through and recognizing the sovereignty of god because you're you're seeing that it god is in control we're not in control he is and i think a big huge submission to that is being we don't change that by not agreeing with it but we um we learn to live with his sovereignty when we agree that's what i love about your statement that he said to you he said be in agreement with me and so that was really an invitation to surrender and submission on your part you just yeah. and that's that's the whole be still and know like rest in me and instead of trying to change it or being mad that it is this way or trying to control things you can't control like all the things that we do that's um that being and in agreement with me is powerful amazing and it's yeah. a button to where i needed to be and i yeah. i would have gotten that peaceful feeling i don't believe had i not had that why he gave it to me i don't know but i <laughs> i i wouldn't have had the the ease of knowing that it was okay you know she that's was amazing he, he's so in love with her. I can't even touch how much he loves her. <laughs> yeah, I, you can't. I mean, you you yeah. just can't imagine how much he adored her. And one of my yeah. friends called me the day she found out that Lacey died. And I hadn't thought of this, but she said, maybe God took her home to save her from something worse. Yeah, yeah. And what yeah. could be for her, maybe spending a life in prison if she ran into a, a person and yeah. killed them. I, you know, I don't right. know what he saved her from. No, you don't know what he saved her from. But, and the beauty of it is when, when you have to deal with tragic loss in the place, like, cause it's our human perspective that thinks that life is better if you get to live it for 95 years. And of course you don't want to suffer any of the old age things. You just want to live to that long and then die. And then it'd be tragic. You died because you weren't suffering from anything. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's how our crazy minds are, but um but God's economy is not like that because eternity, like even our, even if we were to make it to 120, 
our our little years here on earth are like a blip and so in god's eternal perspective it's no different whether it's 10 or 15 or 20 it's only different because we have our earthly perspective we're not seeing it from heaven's point of view and i think one of the things that when you lose somebody young the invitation or it's not even really an invitation so much as it is if you love the lord and you're surrendered to him the parking place for you is right there on the edge of eternity. And God, he, the way I look at it through the years of ministry is he takes my face in his hands and he says, here, look at this, which is seeing eternity. Don't look at that, which is only temporal and earthy. Look at this. And that's when that young mother that dies, you know, when she's 20 years old, leaves or 25 and leaves four kids behind. That's when it's okay because this is eternal and this is temporal and I think that people like you and others that have lost people young have that, you live in that understanding because mm -hmm. you've had to reconcile it and be at peace with it. You yeah. have to step back and see the big, 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 big picture, you know? Right. If we don't look for that in the end is me going to heaven and seeing her and Jesus, I'm going to look for her and Jesus, but her first, sorry. <laughs> no, that's yeah that. and i can't live for this year or next year or you know whether right. more grandchildren i want all those things you want yes. all these but right. what's important the it makes your your scope of importance get about this big you know yeah people need to go to heaven and we need to help them get there and it gets <laughs> it's very That's good you know it just yeah you and you forget so much of the nonsense and people yeah. are so full of nonsense. And I, I, I want to shake their yelling at their 15 year old daughter. Cause she is, is not, I just, I think, yeah. Oh gosh, what I would give to have my 15 year old daughter for one day that I could just treasure, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, don't worry about all this stuff and the nonsense. Yeah. It just takes up so much of your time. And yeah. um, you just have to have a whole different perspective. And yeah, it's, so good. Uh, yeah. And getting mad at God, you know, that's, that's, that's a shame because we just can't see what he sees. And, mm, and that's good, Rhonda. We just can't. Yeah. For whatever reason, I think it all comes down to that thing we hear from the time we start going to churches, you have to have faith, but that has to become mm -hmm. real what faith is. And faith is really a whole mm -hmm. different than it used to be uh -huh. for me, you know, yeah. faith, like, yeah, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I'm going to go to heaven and, and I have faith and that's kind of where it stopped. And, um, now it's a whole different thing for me that my faith is every single day. I have to take him with me. I can't, I can't do anything without him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, hopefully that shows and, that's what I was talking about your face, you know, and you and Tom that mm -hmm. showed up for me in your church and mm -hmm. there was love and there was acceptance and, and it wasn't all, you know, I'm not, I don't want to put churches down, but I think we're missing so much in the churches and, yeah. you know, people feeling like they have to be a certain way to come to church and you have to, yeah. you have to best face on and you have to, tell your like it's like social media you only see the great 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 stuff right and there's a lot of hurting aching yeah. people 
that they just, are. and I couldn't go to church after Lacey died. I couldn't put that face on, you know, I couldn't, yeah. I was so downtrodden that it, it was like death walking in the door and you don't yeah. feel go out amongst the people that have the normal day going on. Cause it's a dark, dark yeah. place. But for this ministry, yeah. we text each other. We show, we send books to each other. Mm. We, I have moms all over the country. They'll just go, you know, I'm having a bad day. My son died two years ago on this day. And mm. I get to know that, that that mom needs someone yeah. to say, you know, what are you going to do today? What's, what's your day going to look? And in that, and that brings the darkness out or the light yeah. out, rid of the right. darkness. And you're talking to yeah. someone that can help you. And not yeah. that I'm you know, Mother Teresa by any means, but I, it makes me feel good to have something positive to bring from all of this loss. And um, absolutely. People say, what do, you, what do you say to someone that just lost their kid? You know, they... Uh, it's even hard for me to approach someone at a funeral that I have a neighbor that just lost a daughter and you still go, mm -hmm. is this a good time to go? Should I not interrupt? Mm -hmm. But I think the key mm -hmm. is ask them about their person they're missing. You know, what was she like? Mm -hmm. And when people say, mm -hmm. what was she like? That's all I want to hear. I want to talk. I want to talk about her and I want to share. Sure. When you start telling me about her, that's just golden. You know, I want to hear mm -hmm. everything her and um yeah it, it's like they're not gone completely when you get that yeah so uh, yeah. I went to a wedding about a year ago and I didn't know the the mother of the groom I knew the groom and the bride but it was in their house and this the, uh -huh. the mother of my friend had just lost her husband about six months before and they'd been married for 40 years you know and you could see it on her when you mm -hmm. walked in and I just I just felt so close to her grief. And I went over to her and I said, well, I know you lost your husband. What, what was he like? 45 minutes of her telling me how he built the house that we were sitting in and where he found that wow. door at the salvage yard. And she was just elated yeah. that someone wanted to talk about him. So that's very cool. That's a different perspective than if I would just gone to a wedding and there was a widow sitting there. I would have never right. talked. So that's right. that's the only good feeling yeah. and big. It's a big thing to yeah. feel. Yeah. Well, Rhonda, what I see is the joy of the Lord is your strength, and you just um, you've you've given us a beautiful um, picture of what happens when we do choose to be in agreement with Him. And when you're in agreement, he begins to redeem. He redeems the pain and he, um, he and he restores. I loved also what you said about how you build the beautiful things around the ache in your heart. It doesn't go away. You just build around it. And that's um, just, wow. I've never even heard anybody describe how to do grief in a healthy way by doing that. And it's such a, you know, you, you can have an option, like you say, you can just get stuck there in that very, in the worst hour of your life, or you can be in agreement with the Lord and allow him into your life 
which is very different than Lacey's life, which is very different than, you know, Brandon and Blake's life, but God's got, and, and as long as we're in the land of the living, our right response to the Lord is yes, right? Because if he's Lord, he's yeah, it's yes. And so we give our lives and we spend our lives um, ministering out of the place that life takes us. And I've been not, I've not lost a child um, to death. I have been in places though that I did not want to be with my children. And it's much easier instead of just sitting there and being mad about it to yield my confidence to the Lord and be like, you knew all along this was going to be here. And so now my yes is on the table, use it in my life and weave it. And that's what you've done. That's so beautiful and so redemptive. And probably if I were to ask you, and I will ask you, um, are you happier with the way you're living your life today than you were um, when you were 30 years old yourself? Is, would that be a yes or a, or a no? Nope, I was better back then. As a believer, I'm so much happier with where I'm at. Um, yeah. Happy in a way that I've never been happy. As far as yeah. I'm excited to see what God's going to do. And um, I feel like I'm doing something that has a purpose. And when yeah. I was, in, I was raising kids that I adored. So that was a great purpose. Yeah. So <laughs> that's good. Don't bring out the thirties because the thirties were great years for me. And um, good. Okay. <laughs> kids and, um, and the friendships I had, but I think, I think the growth is just, phenomenal you don't you don't realize how much you you're not trusting God you know it's yeah. like you you don't really trust him when you're calling all the shots and you're not dependent on him and uh yeah. how to do that I don't think I just didn't know how to do yeah. that I gave him a little yeah. bit here. you know I'd give him little pieces but um when people say they're sold out for God that not that, you know, I'm out here 24 hours a day doing ministry, mm -hmm. but that's where mm -hmm. my heart and my thoughts are usually, I'm trying to work on that. And um, yeah, it, I don't know what it is for everybody, but uh, grief has just taught me a lot. It's just shown me a lot that's about. Amazing. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. Well, Rhonda, as we wrap this up, tell us where we can like connect us with some of these uh, places that we that your book, Remarkable You, Revisiting Love, Regrets and Celebrations, an interactive grief journal, we can purchase on Amazon. I'll, I'll add the link. And then is there like a website for the Hope is Alive Ministries where we can get more information? Yeah, there is hopeisalive.net. Okay, hopeisalive.net. And that's where we can get connected to all of those, the hope um, after loss and the finding hope for the families right there. That's, that's now, all. there was another, um, I think it was you that told me about, is there a spark of life or something? Was that something you mentioned to me? Okay, that might've been somebody else then. Okay, okay. Yeah. It was a, another, I think, retreat for the grief journey. But, I will um, there is another uh, ministry that I got involved in that I kind of overlooked when we were prepping for this, uh, the Phoenix, it's called the Phoenix okay. and oh, okay. uh, a website out of Colorado's where they started. They help addiction 
uh, to be cured through exercise, which is oh, okay. a program there. We helped bring one to, to Wichita in 2020 and uh, they, okay. they're growing ministry, but it's free to the addict. They can go backpacking. They can fly to Hawaii and, and surf. Uh, they can go wow. uh, all kinds of outdoor activities, but they have facilities where you go work out. Uh-huh. And they, have, they offer you know, kickboxing and every kind of sport and activity that a fitness center would offer. And it's all free to the addict if they're 48 hours sober. So if okay. you're addict that's using and they're two days sober, they can walk in free to these amazing facilities huh. workout. And that's another way to bring communities of addicts together because they're they don't have a community. You know, right. usually addict will end up by themselves. And uh, mm. that brings their their community in a in one building where they can share their stories and help each other. So there's a mm. lot of recovery stories that are am- amazing. And the the TED talk you want to watch for that is mm-hmm. uh, the oh I should I'll get that for you. It's uh, on the mountaintop. Okay. Something about the mountaintop with Scott Strode. S T R O D E. Scott Strode. He he started the Phoenix. Okay. And really encourage people to look that up if they're in addiction. Okay. Very good. Very good. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Rhonda. What a great conversation today. I appreciate it. I um that I mean, I'm just amazed at how the Lord is using you and how fulfilling. I mean, I can see it in you. It's like it's purposeful. You it's significant, it's fulfilling, and you're really honoring Lacey's life, and where she is today, she could care less about coming back here to earth, (laughs) it's like, if you could only know, mom, you need to get on over, and, um, and you're right, I mean, the Lord who loves us, every time we second guess him, or like, why is this happening now, he, he, um, that's why it takes so much faith in him, but he just wants to say, if only you could see what I see, you would know I'm making the right decision. This is the best, the very best thing. And, um, I really appreciate you reminding of that. You, I took two pages of notes while we were talking, so I'll have lots of your little quotes, Rhonda quotes. <laughs> well, I it's so you make it so easy for me. Well, it's been good. And thank you. I really, really do appreciate it. Do you have anything else that you'd like to leave us with? I mean, you've told us so many great things um, as we we close out. Yeah, I think the one thing to to share the motto for hope is alive and uh, finding hope and hope after loss is you're not alone. It's not your fault. And there's hope. Those three things, you know, Mm -hmm. the first time I heard it, you're not alone. It's mm-hmm. not your fault. That was like huge for me. And there is hope. Yeah. Uh, another thing that, hope. yeah, that's their motto. And they, they begin every meeting with that. And it, it needs to be in that's your good. And another thing I didn't mention was gratitude. When I really felt a relief mm-hmm. from my grief, it was actually a, just a year ago, I was at a Finding Hope retreat which are the, the best. If you can come to a retreat, it's, it'll, you'll walk away different, but I felt yeah. this gratitude for having Lacey at all. You know, it just dawned on yeah. me what had her, you know, what if I didn't know who she was? That's good. So when you're grateful, it's hard to be in a, in the depth of pain. It really is a That's healing. Good. Be grateful for everything. 
And and that's that is that's, so good. That helps. Yeah. So good. So good. Well, thank you so much, Rhonda, for being with us. Um, I wanna I'm just gonna pray for our listeners because I, I can't help but believe this podcast will be shared with people who are in the thick of it in their grief, parents that have lost children and um probably loved ones that have lost people to addiction. So I'm just going to close this out by praying for those people, if that's okay. Father, I just thank you so much for, um, Lord, I want to practice what Rhonda just said. And thank you for Lacey. I thank you for her life. When I think of her, I just think of this beautiful, um, full of joy and laughter, young woman that um, was so kind and so uh, considerate and such a good friend. She has friends that still remember her to this day and how rich and important she was in their life. And my life, even being separated from her from years, I, I'm impacted by my memories of her. And Lord, I thank you for Rhonda and I thank you for her faith um, that shines through, a faith that you've given her, the evidence of your spirit alive and well in her. Lord, I thank you for these ministries that are ministering, probably all created from people who are ministering out of their pain. And God, um, what would our world be like if we did not have these? And Lord, I just thank you for those that are listening and um, for the hope that has been shared through this conversation. And Lord, we do pray for that mom, that dad, that um, aunt, uncle, grandparent who um, have listened to this podcast today and, and just in their own heart, that that ember of your presence is um, becoming a flame as your voice continues to speak to them right now, right today, inviting them to be in agreement with you. And Lord, we are. We choose to be in agreement with you. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Rhonda, for being with us. Love you. Oh, wait. It's hard to imagine that the Sunday nights we ate nachos around Rhonda's dinner table, God knew then that he would birth this ministry out of her. Please, my friends, do share this podcast with anyone you know who loves someone who's struggling with addiction. Especially share this podcast with any parents who've suffered a similar loss. I'm including links to Rhonda's book, Remarkable You, Revisiting Love, Regrets, and Celebrations. This interactive grief journal will provide you with prompts like journaling prompts that will help you release some of the pent-up pain uh, that unspoken grief creates. Get yourself several copies of this book so that you can give these to people when they suffer loss. I also loved what Rhonda said about the best way to minister to people in pain is to invite them to tell you about their person. They're eager to talk about it. I'm also putting a link to the ministry Rhonda works with, Hope is Alive Ministries. Can you believe that this ministry has an 80% success rate? That's incredible. Please, if you're looking for help for someone who's struggling with addiction, check out this particular website. And also, I want you to be sure to check out the great retreats we have coming at the end of the summer in August, September, and October at our Laughing Place in the North Carolina mountains. This year, we're excited to offer three retreats for pastors and their wives. If you are a pastor and wife, we'd love to have you join us. 
If you love your pastor and wife, why don't you go in together with another couple or two and send your pastor and his wife to this retreat as a way to just love on them and appreciate them. You can learn more about the pastors and wives retreats and the women's retreats on my website at leannemccoy.com backslash private dash retreats. I look forward to sharing time with you again next week on the Leanne McCoy podcast.